What's going on, everybody? Welcome to track 22, The Archer Finds His Bow. Shout out to the analysts for finding us. Yes. A good, a perfect fitting title for this yes. episode. Brandon Cooks finally cooked in the game versus the Giants. Um, obviously a big win for the for the Cowboys and one we expected, and we'll get into that later, as well as the Carolina Panthers game. And per usual, we're going to have our Week 10 recap and Week 11 predictions um, but we have a little different format towards the end. Instead of our track hierarchy, we're going to do a little NFC, AFC playoff predictions and some rookie MVPs from the Rook, myself, and we'll close it out with our records of the week. But per usual, we've got the Shatter the Script segment and we've got Stephen A. Smith, of course, talking about how Dak Prescott is not an all-time great Dallas Cowboys quarterback. So let's get into that right now. What? QB. What? What? Answer that. Ask that question again. I know I did. I know. I I know I didn't just hear that question on national television. Ask that again, Molly. Who told you to ask that question? Ask that again. Ask that again. Jeez. Can I get it one more time? Back already an all-time great Cowboys. Quarterback. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, what? Hell no. Let me. Uh, really? That you put them up to this? Really? Thing. You put them up to this? You did? You you called the producers behind the white man and told them to ask this damn question. So let me get this straight. I did a name by the name of Roger Starbuck, Chad yes. Shaw, four Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl championships. He's number two. That's because two Super Bowl. Troy Aikman, number a one, time Super Bowl champion. Oh. And, did, and we're going to mention all-time greats as if this dude, who's never, who's got two playoff victories in nine years, in nine years, two playoffs, is it eight years? I think it's eight years. It's eight years, right? Two victories yeah, in eight years. In eight years. We're going to sit up here and say, ask for the straight face, all-time great. I'm not I'm trying to sit up there and say he might not arguably top three. That's going to make you great. That's going to make you great. No, no, no. To Roger Starbuck and Troy Aikman are in another dimension, another stratosphere. We got to summon Captain Kirk and Spock and them brothers to look for him. Uh, okay, to look for those brothers compared to Dak Prescott. You're the yeah. lost your damn mind. All right. Well, that that's it from Stephen A. Smith. There's another minute or so um, where he's talking about that that same topic. But I thought this was interesting, you know, because – Technically, we're all Dak disciples. We're missing the Romo Sapien. Uh, but this is – I feel like it's too early of a question for me to answer. But I also feel like – and I and me and Ryan had off-the-record conversations about this for probably two or three years that Dak Prescott was on pace to shatter all of Tony Romo's re statistical records. And he has an opportunity this year to really shatter the script on – playoff wins and perhaps maybe breaking the curse with the championship but you know do i believe that that's going to happen not until it actually happens it's not anything to say on dak prescott it's just the way that things go for the dallas cowboys um you can have as good as the team as we did last year as good as the team we did the year before and this year and you just don't know what you're going to get but thanks for looking up we got the gauntlet coming up there's a lot to prove for dak prescott in my opinion i think that romo is one of an all-time greats he's a franchise quarterback for the dallas cowboys no Super Bowl or not, uh, or Super Bowl or not, and Dak Prescott is already there, and he's still got a lot of ball left to play. Um, but uh, the analysts, what did you think? I think it's really hard to compare 
Staubach to Aikman to Prescott. I think a fair assumption is Romo and Prescott. But I think the reason that I would say that you would consider him in there is because there's four quarterbacks that you think of when you think of the Cowboys. You think of Staubach, you think of Aikman, you think of Romo, you think of Prescott. Well, Prescott's got better numbers than all of them, but that's what I mean by you can't compare them because it's different eras. Like Aikman was a game manager in his in his era, but he he did what he had to do to win. And Staubach was a leader and captain comeback and like he or yeah, I mean there's there's just it's hard to compare them because they're they're not all the same quarterback. They're different they're different guys. But you know, for us, for this new era of Dallas football, and it really is about like if you consider QB wins his stat, you know, Dak is a is going to probably go down. If he gets another extension, you have to put him in there as an all-time great for Dallas because there's the different eras. And, you know, I, I can I agree with Jared. It's too early to tell. There's still a lot of script to be written for Dak Prescott. But what he's done up to this point in his career in terms of play style, I think you have to put him in that conversation. Maybe not rank him all over, you know, Staubach and Aikman, obviously. But, you know, he's – He's been a Dallas Cowboys quarterback for all, you know seven, almost eight years now. So I don't know. I feel like that's just another stupid uh, argument that they're filling airtime for on ESPN. It's way Good too point. early to even yep. talk about that. So yeah, my answer that to that is basically to the question is it's it's unwritten. You can't you can't go off that yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree with Ryan. I think uh, I think what this was was a big, uh, you know, attention grabber, a big clickbait debate, if you say, uh, because it, you know, the Cowboys beat a team by, you know, almost 30 some points out, gained them by almost 500 yards. And you really don't have anything else to talk about. Um, but to answer the question, I think you do have to consider him at least the top. I mean, obviously, the top four. I'm really surprised Ryan didn't mention, you know, the great legend, you know, Quincy Carter and Vinny Testaverde and all of them. Um, and some of those legends and then Ryan Leaf and John Kitten and all them. But if you think about it, like for us that have grown up watching the those quarterbacks that I named, it's like some of these fans must not have been around during that time. And to see that to have a quarterback that keeps it competitive and for the most part, I mean, half his career we've been in the playoffs, like you kind of have to start considering to be a top three, top four quarterback for the Cowboys. Um, and and so that's just mine. It's like, yes, it's too early to tell, but if you make the playoffs again and do decent this year, you kind of have to put him in there just via, I mean, half his eight-year career, he's been in the playoffs, been competitive. Uh, yes, they haven't won the big game, but, you know, just stats, wins, teams alone. I mean, you, you got to start mentioning him in that conversation. Yeah. And the one thing I would compare this to, and they don't even mention this guy ever, you know, and we could ask the same question because he played a lot of playoff games in the 80s for the Dallas Cowboys is Danny White. Yeah. You know, if you're going to ask if these guys, I mean, he, and he wasn't, I was just looking at his stats while y'all were speaking and it's like, but he played a lot of playoff games, but his stats were, you know, it's not a passing league, but they weren't bad. They weren't horrid, but it was very similar to, a franchise quarterback, but you know, is he a great that he probably won more playoff game? I don't know how many playoff games he won. I don't have his stats in front of me. I wasn't, but 
And no, it's just like a, it's a, like Ryan said. I just, you're you're filling up airtime, and it's a question that shouldn't even be asked really right now. It should be a question for after he's gone. Yeah, um, and you can open up an entire whole nother conversation talking about Dak's playoff games. You know, I I thought he won four playoff games, but he's only won two. But you know, like you look at his losses, and it's like come come to mind for me that the ones that he's lost it's like he's he's almost never the reason we lose the only one that i've ever chalked up for him is the 249ers games but i mean you you think about the other two what the other one was um the rams um, the rams where he played good the packers game where he led the two minute comeback drive in the 2016, his rookie year, two minutes left, he goes on the field and scores, and Aaron Rodgers just makes an Aaron Rodgers s play, and it's just like, you know, talking about Super Bowls in the last 12 years, I dare you to go look up who's won them, and it's really hard to find another quarterback by the name of not Brady and Mahomes that have won a Super Bowl, and it just goes to show how hard how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know we haven't gotten close, but it, like I said, it's too early to tell. So yeah, yeah people forget point. that he's only in his eighth year and how long it takes a quarterback to develop most of the time in the NFL. And the guys that they talk about, some of them haven't been there either. So, yeah. 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 This could be Lamar Jackson's year, and he's, you know, what is he, five – five or six years into the NFL and you know, it's, it's everybody grows. He usually gets way. knocked out in the first round as well. So yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well let's get into our week 10 NFL recap, you know, to start off the first game, uh, the analysts, you've got the Browns versus the Ravens, <clears throat> our noon game. Yeah. So I'll start with the, uh, the recap, but um, just to sum it all up, Browns won 33, 31, if you pay attention to this game, um, like I did, I got home from hunting and I looked at the score and I was like, oh, yeah, the Ravens are up 14. And then I walked away and I came back and I saw the Browns won and I was like, uh, what? So <laughs> the way that happened basically was the Browns are down 14 with 8.57 to go. Lamar threw a pick six that – or sorry, they were down seven. Yeah. Lamar threw a pick six They. They scored on the pick six, and it made it 31-30. Their kicker missed the extra point, and the Ravens got the ball back, had to punt, which led to a game-winning drive from Deshaun Watson. So Watson looked really bad in the first half and played a very solid second half. He actually didn't throw an incompletion in the second half, finished with 20-34, 213 yards, touchdown and interception. Not a great stat line, but he really came through in the second part of the game. And he connected with Damari at the end of the game, six receptions, 89 yards for Amari Cooper. And uh, the one little note I have for the Browns is everybody talks about how good the Cowboys defense is, but the best defense in the NFL is probably the Browns. I mean, they hold people to very minimal yardage. And, you know, with Watson missing three games and now they're sitting at, I think, six and three, it's a total um, talking point of the defense. That Browns defense is – Legit. So moving on to the Ravens. Browns look like they should have lost this. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, people forget that Zadarius Smith is on the other side of Miles Garrett, too. I, yeah. I forgot that. And I was like, Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett. 
you know, on the Brown, I was like, oh, okay, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. But I just yeah, wanted, they're, yeah, they're stacked on defense, and not a lot of people realize that. And yeah. I would only imagine what they could be if they actually still had Nick Chubb. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> for the Ravens, uh, I would just say the Browns look like they should have lost this game. But Lamar put them right back into the game with that uh, pick six, which sucks, but, you know, it happens. And in reality, this game was going to come down to which defense – was going to make a play, and that last play came from the Browns because this is the number one and number two defense in the NFL, the Ravens and the Browns. And, you know, the Browns came up with a big play, and they were able to make it happen. So that's really all I have on this game. I think the Ravens will be fine. They're still a top team. But that AFC, uh, that's the North. The AFC North is real tight right now. It's crazy. Almost yeah. every team is 6-3 and three or 7-2. and two. I mean, the, the freaking uh, – Steelers. The Bengals are last in that division, and they're yeah. five and four. So that that's going to be a tight division to watch for the rest of the, the year. And what's even crazier is the Steelers. How bad they've been? They're six and oh, three. Oh god! Yeah, so, I don't uh, understand that. The worst six and three team on the planet. Yeah, it's like the Vikings last year. They're going to get in the. They might make the playoffs, and then they'll be absolute frauds. But I, I don't think the Steelers will make the playoffs. I think they'll finally fall apart eventually. But we'll see. All right. <clears throat> Texas, you got Texans Bengals as well. That's right. This game was almost the exact same game. It was funny because <laughs> it almost ended the exact same way. So uh for the recap, Cincinnati rallied after going down 20 to 7. So Singletary scored a six-yard run. He had a huge game. He had like 153 yards and a touchdown. Bengals, the Bengals were able to cut that deficit to 2017 with a field goal from McPherson. And then a deep touchdown to Jamar Chase. But then uh, the fourth quarter came around and Burrow threw two interceptions on their first two possessions, and that kind of deflated the Bengals. So then the Texans go up in the game. They had an opportunity to shut it out. And Stroud in his own, I think, on their Texans' own 25 threw a nasty interception. It was a horrible interception. And it gave the Bengals a chance. I mean, they basically took the ball over, I think, in the red zone. And what sucks about it is they had a wide open shot to Tyler Boyd and he dropped the, he dropped yeah. in a touchdown. And so they ended up having to kick a field goal, which gave Shroud and Texans, I think like 57 seconds or something. And six plays later, they get down the field uh, to Dallas Cowboys, Noah Brown with like a 25 yard reception. And then Dalton Schultz up the middle for 26 they get it down there, and with a kicker that was literally signed like the day before, three hours before the game, nailed a 33-yard field goal and gave the Texans a uh, a dub here. And you know, speaking on the Texans, C.J. Stroud's playing really good, but their defense is you know with D'Amico Ryan's at the helm has been really strong. I agree. And you know, I'm not going to be shocked if the Texans make the playoffs. You could look at their schedule. You could look at the way they're playing. Ass. You know, they they actually might make the playoffs. And the thing about the Texans, I think that's one that's going to put Stroud as the easy pick for rookie of the year. But two, you know, if I was a Texans fan, I think that's great. They're not going to go deep in the playoffs. But, you know, you kind of need the draft picks. So, you know, it's like a hell yeah, we're good. But at the same time, it's like mm, kind of wish we were OK so we could have a better draft. But. Yeah, and then the yeah. Bengals, you know, this is this is the thing about the Bengals is, like, 
they're a good football team. They just snapped – they got their four-game win streak snapped, and it came down to two or three plays. But, I mean, now they can't screw up. If they want to get back in the playoffs, they can't – there is no room for error here. They're five and four in a very tight division, and the AFC is good. So, I mean, you've got the – in the AFC, uh, I think yeah. the East is the Bills and the Dolphins in them. I mean, the Bills and the Dolphins still have a chance to make the playoffs. And then you've got – the Bengals in the division with the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, they have no room for error because of their slow start, and it's going to be all on Burrow's shoulders. Yeah. And then now you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase popping up with injuries in a crucial game coming up this Thursday against the Ravens. So I think the Bengals are still a good team, but, man, that loss, this loss right here, I think that really hurt them. Yep, I agree. And Lamar Jackson is 7-1. and one against the Bengals. Yeah, he, he kills yeah. the Bengals. So. so yeah. 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 I have I have uh for the Texans game I have is is Noah Brown uh is he Megatron now? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like what, what breaking tackles. Dude, like that one, yeah that one like I think I think I saw a, a video of it. The Bengals defender actually took his glove off and still couldn't make the tackle, and Noah Brown continued to run. I was just like, the last few games, I'm like, man, this guy is uh, a different Noah he's, Brown. He's a different, he's a different guy over there. In the I think it's ball. hilarious. Have you heard his like how he came out of Ohio State? Yeah, and like, how he got into the NFL. Yeah, like Ezekiel Elliott basically like put his nuts on the table for him and was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. dude, like get this guy, he's good. <laughs> like, yeah, like he right, had cool. He's gonna block he for us at nothing. the receiver position. Yeah, he had no, like, major stats at Ohio State, whatever. He, like, two years after he played at Ohio State, yeah, he just was like, fuck it, I'm going in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott was like, you need to draft him. So the Cowboys drafted him and basically have used him for, like, four or five years. I never knew how he stayed on our roster. <laughs> but he, they used him as, like, a blocking receiver. And then last year he got to play a little bit, and he was – Booty cheats for us. I mean, he, I mean, I when I think of Noah Brown last year, I think of the Jacksonville game. He, yeah, he basically tried to catch the ball and literally handed it to the defensive back, and then they beat us. But that's what I was gonna say. Is, know. You know, it drives me nuts watching Noah Brown go off for the, for the Houston Texans, and you know, people slide in my in my text messages saying that Dak Prescott couldn't do this with Noah Brown. That's pathetic. And I'm like, well, the last time I remember Noah Brown catching a pass. In a Dallas Cowboys uniform was not catching a pass, but it was hitting him right in the <laughs> breastplate between the eight and the five for a pick six that lost us the first seed in the NFC East. So I was like, yeah. Noah Brown also had to compete with uh, Dennis Houston for the number two spot. So yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. there's yeah. a Come reason on. he had to be on the field is because you know let's not forget we were out there on the depth chart. Yeah, yeah. And let's not forget. I mean, it's Simi Pahoko as well. But it's like you know, on the other side of things, <laughs> I almost spit out my drink saying that name. Uh, for, yes, um, high caliber wide receiver group. It's not, like, it's not yes. like Noah Brown's the only one out there. I mean, they've yeah. got Tank Dell, Robert Woods, uh, Nico Collins, John Mechie. I mean, technically, you don't know where he is in the depth chart on the Houston Texans. I'm not saying they have elite receivers. I'm just saying they have a bunch of featured guys out there and it's hard to lose track it's hard to keep track of who all's out there for the for the yeah. Texans and you can yeah. get loose that way. So yeah. But uh we got the Lions and the Chargers now, right? Yes sir. 
All right, so the shootout of the yeah. 325 window. Yeah, I got the 325 slot. Lions 41, Chargers 38. Uh, my first note on this is classic Big 12 game. Um, yes. That's what it looked like. It looked like an old school uh, TCU versus Baylor or Oklahoma versus TCU or, or back when West Virginia was in it when, you know, like Pat White or anything like that was on the team where it was just like, all right, no defense is being played. That's super cool. Um, that's what it looked like. And on my second note, I had all offense, no defense. The offense on both sides looked great. Um, even with, I know some of us may not be the biggest fans of Justin Herbert, but he did sling the rock. Um, and then Jared Goff looked crazy good. And then the running backs, uh, I really thought that they were just going to, the Lions were just going to throw David Montgomery back in there and then stash Jameer Gibbs and make him like a, a role player almost, and they they didn't. Uh, they said, like, hey, we have two people that are good in the backfield. Let's use them both. And uh, that's essentially what they did. Um, and so that's basically – I basically don't have too much from that. It's just, like, this was an all-offense game. I thought the defenses on both sides were terrible. Um, and I really don't understand how the Chargers' uh, front seven isn't better because they just have – they have guys that are very good. Um, and so I, I don't understand, especially with the defensive head coach. Um, so his, his background, Brandon Staley's background, even though he goes for it on fourth and two every time on offense, uh, <laughs> his, his background is defense and his defense has been terrible all year, except for like, I think the last two games. Um, so that, that's interesting to see. And then the Lions defense looks like the Lions defense last year, essentially, um, where they just get ravaged all, mm -hmm. all game. And so, uh, I mean, it was just – and I, I think uh, is Garner uh, – one of their DBs went down. I can't remember who it was. But uh, one of their defensive backs, I think, went down, which really hurt him. But still, I mean, just Justin Herbert looked like, you know, he was playing seven-on-seven seven out there. And <laughs> uh, it just it was just a bad defensive game. I mean, there's no way around it. But I guess good for the offenses. But uh, that's basically all I have on that game is, you know, all offense, no defense. Yeah, I have a couple notes on that. Uh, basically, Kellen Moore saw that it was going to be a Big 12 game and basically <laughs> was like, yes. So yeah. then he, he's like, like oh, score more not. Yes. He's yeah. like, we have to outscore them. It's back to my favorite days at Boise yeah. State. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Chargers spent all that money on defense and they have like nobody yeah. in the middle. So yeah, the I, Lions think, I, I think I did read a stat that they're like top two in salary cap spent on yes. just defense. I'm like, and what? Like, I, I don't know. To quote PMT on this, they have no linebackers. Like <laughs> they literally, it's like they, it's like they were put four defensive linemen out there and then like eight defensive backs and just hope that you don't see the middle of the field. And that's like right. Jared, Jared Goff is the best. So they, you know, like personally for me, I knew this game was going to be a shootout. So I bet on Amon Ra to have 80 yards and the Lions <laughs> to win. And I looked at it in like the second quarter and he had like 97 yards. And I was like, well, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. but as a, you're right, it was a typical Big 12 game of like, who has the ball last? That's who's going to win. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly, exactly what happened. Yeah. So, it looked like the Lions on offense anytime. The thing was, there wasn't that many, like, deep balls thrown. 
it was like how you're saying there's no linebackers. Like, yeah. They caught the ball within like 10, like no pass was like over 10 or 12 yards. And then it was like, he, you turn around and I, it's almost like the receivers were like, oh shit, where's everybody at? And then just, <laughs> you know, broke off another 15. It was like, well, well what's going on? Like there was yeah. just, there was no intermediate defense whatsoever uh, yeah. from the Chargers. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you're I would be salivating at the opportunity to play a Lions, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, CD Lamb is going that. to absolutely eat up that defense and our <clears throat> defense itself, which in fact doesn't have really any linebackers either. But we found a way to play with these hybrid safeties that are highest graded linebackers at each and every week. You yeah. know, we found a way to play that. So you know, that's a good complimentary team. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys would have their number, and I'm kind of taking from Ryan's card here because me and him had that conversation as well, and he was one that said it first. Um, but, yeah, this is just uh, – that's a team that I would definitely want to play. And I, I believe Keenan Allen had like 40 fantasy points or something. Yeah, something no, he crazy. went off. He had 175 yards, I think, two touchdowns <laughs> on 11 receptions. I, I think he's – I have him in my uh, two-minute drill, but he – he went he went ballistic. Is Jared Goff the best quarterback in the NFC? Yeah. Um, you ask a Lions fan that they they actually will fight you on that. Trust me, I, I work with one and he's like he's pushing that before the season started. I don't blame them. I think I think Dak and Jared Goff are playing the best in the NFC right now. Yeah. That that is my opinion on that. All right. Moving on to the Broncos Beals. Uh here we go. So this one, I I haven't really watched closely a Monday night football game in a while because they've been ass cheeks. But even this one, I was like, eh. But I wasn't counting on a Javante Williams, James Cook breakout game. What I got instead was going sit down to the living room and watching after a long day's work and seeing that James Cook had already fumbled and he's not playing anymore. And that 33-year-old Latavius Murray – is rose from the grave and is now getting 75% snap share or some stupid shit. So, and everybody's like, where the hell is James Cook? And I'm like, don't ask me. I don't know. And anyway, so this Bill's offense, man, it struggled. And they just fired their offensive coordinator. And I think they got Joe Brady, I believe is the name of the new offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know if that solves any of their problems because their offense is literally just Josh Allen, please save us, which we've been saying for yes. three weeks now. It's and now hero ball Josh Allen. It's, it's sure. hero ball Josh Allen, but you can't be a hero like we've seen with every quarterback. You can't be a hero every single week. And even against the bad teams, it's the NFL. You know, you're you're gonna have to play at a top tier level. It's not if you play down to their level, you're probably gonna lose that game. I remember the Dak Prescott versus Denver Broncos games a couple of years ago. Uh, or one or two years ago, and it was like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah. and uh, so Russell Wilson, you know, you can ask the question, is he cooking? No, he's not. And we'll probably get into his passing chart later, you know, with the analysts. But, I mean, it's the yes, same stat I line. literally nailed the stat line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, we were talking about it off record, and I'll let you talk about it later. But, I mean, you go look at his stat line throwing underneath 200 yards with, like, 20 plus completions it's just comical you know and but i will say that russell wilson throw moving to his left breaking the pocket and the goal line and the catch by sutton uh courtland sutton in the end zone was phenomenal um they they got bailed out with the missed field goal at the end with 12 men on the on the field <laughs> that is the benefit of having that quick kick 
out there. They didn't call a timeout. They knelt the ball and then ran off quick and got the kicking group in there, and it caused 12 men to be on the field. And, yeah, you can say that's luck or fate or whatever, but, you know, the substitution, they made an error, and that's on the head coach. And um, then you got a a second chance at a field goal and five yards closer, and it cost you the game. And it's it's sad boy hours for Haley Steinfeld and Josh Allen after that. But, yeah, the Bills fall to five five and five, and the – I believe the Broncos have, are what four and one since starting one and four. Yeah, yeah, four and one since starting one and four. And uh, you know things are starting to look up for Sean Payton and the Broncos look like a much better team. Um, and Javante Williams is finally. I think no one's talking about it, but when Brees Hall got up his snap count, everybody was like, <gasps> you know, go for Brees Hall in all of your fantasy leagues. But nobody, nobody was watching Javante Williams get 10 to 12 carries for like five to six weeks. And then the past three weeks, he's been getting a large workload at running back. And, you know, he's producing, you know, three straight 13 plus games in a row. So oh, yeah, uh, I, I traded for him and I think two of my leagues. Like I got, I got him from weeks. you and ours. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm, fri- that, but, uh... I, I'm fried, dude. You don't have to worry about me. I, my season's done. But <laughs> that's the first. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, nobody but, is it. Uh, nobody. No, but yeah, they circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Circle. My one comment on this game is the. Broncos have now beat Mahomes and Allen. So are they? Are they? Are they, are they, are they, they? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I have on, on my notes. I have uh, my first note is shit show because yes. that's what that game was. But the last the last point uh, about the Bills is I think they need to be worried, and I think it's something we've talked about for a while now. Is they don't know their true identity. Last night, just from the running backs that actually, okay, the two top running backs, they had a, a, a seven stringer in there that ran one, but from their two top running backs, so Cook and uh, Latavius. Latavius Murray, they averaged 8.4 yards per carry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The James Cook broke out like a 55-yard mm-hmm. run, which he fumbled as he was yeah. running, picked it up. Dude, if he did not somehow fumble that ball and pick it up, he's gone. Yeah, and if you, I was, oh man, like if you and they only had between both of them, they only had 17 carries total. Yeah, that's not. I'm sorry, but you're playing the Broncos. There's no shot this game was ever going to get out of hand. How do you just and if you go look at their touchdown drives, uh, I went through the play by play on all their scoring drives, and what they did is they ran the ball well and then motioned off the pass and i think that's what they need to do to take some of that some of that pressure off of josh allen because it seems like right now he's so jittery that yeah. it's just like oh just shit throw the ball and yeah. he, it's just a lot of bad passes like those those picks this game were not good like you know it's, it's not like you're fitting in a tight window or doing yeah. something crazy like they were just bad passes well and, he should have thrown a third one his first yeah. The first possession of the game they got, he threw to the sideline, and it was like a curl route to I think Gabe Davis. Yeah, clearly intercepted, but he had one foot in, and then yeah. like a couple of plays later, he threw another interception. So he Ball yeah, had, had three. Yeah, and yeah. But I just I know we're <clears> on, uh, like you know pass happy first down stuff like that, but like 
I mean, if, if Tony Pollard was was getting eight eight yards a clip, like all of us would collectively be like, run the damn ball. Like, why yeah, I, yeah. why is Dak Prescott throwing it 30 times a game if we're getting a first down on every handoff, basically? Yeah. And so I think it's they get they just get almost too impatient. And yeah, they're relying way too much on on yeah. Allen, especially as as turnover happy as many times as he clicks that turnover button. I don't know <laughs> if I would do that. Yeah, make the job easier for your quarterback, not tougher. If you put it all on his shoulders, I mean, it's it's only going to get worse if you're an NFL quarterback because, you know, the fall is greater than the come up, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, people always forget – people also probably don't remember this play. Uh, but on the handoff, when James Cook finally got back into the game, Josh <laughs> Allen completely missed his bread basket. And fumbled the ball. Yeah, that fumble yeah. was totally on Josh Allen. It's just he was already shit. fumbling the ball before it was even like before Cook even had control of the ball. So yeah, and it wait a minute, it could be the Madden curse. There we go. It could be the Madden curse. I, I totally forgot he went on busting with the boys and was like, I don't believe in the Madden curse. And here we are sitting at five and five and with what is it? 13 fumbles and 11 interceptions through week 10. Looking like shit too. Looking yeah. like <laughs> yeah. nobody reverses the wagons. Like yeah. The yeah. But uh, yeah. Go. So, well, I don't even want to recap the, uh, the Sunday night football game. Uh, I obviously the, the jets lose to the Raiders. The Raiders. Who are now five and five? I will say that. Shout out to them. Yeah. They're two and zero oh since firing their head coach. Um, and the quick comment I'll have on that with McDaniel's getting fired and all these guaranteed money that he gets for sitting on the couch is there's a he has a partner he can sit on the couch with and get rich with, and that's Jimbo Fisher for the Texas <laughs> A&M Aggies. I've been saying this for two and a half, three years. Um, he needs to go. That old style pro style offense it does not work in college football. He's outdated. Great recruiter. Tried to give up the play calling to the other guy. You know, it, it was just time for a switch. And according to a person uh, who I will not name, but he's a cool friend of mine that I actually work with, he said that the alumni gathered together what we owed him and donated it to the school, excuse me, to the school to get rid of him Jeez. over time. Good the old alumni. Is it Bobby Petrino time? And uh, I hope not. They need to go find know. a young. They need to go find a young-minded head coach that is yeah. in Dion? tune with what. <laughs> no. Dude, I've been he- I've been hearing that stuff. Please, God, no! But somebody that does what oh, I don't know, like what Bo Nix is doing, what you know Jalen Milrow is doing, what Quentin Ewers is doing, what Caleb Williams, like Shadur, name them. They're all on up-tempo, fast offenses with a lot of pre-snap motion. Oh, I got I here. got the perfect guy for you, Cliff. Three tight ends. Hand off. I'll take Cliff Kingsbury. I wouldn't. You don't, you don't want that. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll take Whoever just got fired. McDaniels, he's he's Bill O'Brien. He's a, <laughs> uh, my only my only point on <laughs> my only point on this game is I, I feel like this game was almost kind of rigged because if you watch what, like if you watched the game, this game should have been like a like twenty eight to three in the first uh, quarter and a half. The Jets moved the ball and got within, you know, pretty close to the red zone, like 
four or five of their first drives and had to settle for field goals or punts due to just random ass penalties or some just absolute bullshit. The refs and I was, I was like, I was just like, how's this game close? Like, that's where, you know, you say follow the money. This should have been a blowout. And it was just like they would get close and be picking up. And it's like, oh, they're about to score. And it was like, oh, holding 15 yards. Oh, offside. what's the saying? Oh, yeah. Vegas made the call. Yeah. And so I was watching this game and I was like, how the hell is this game close? Like the Jets were whooping the shit out of them. In the in the first half, and then it was well. Like, basically, it comes down to uh, if you let the Jets score a touchdown, then you lose because the Jets, <laughs> like, I think, are the worst red zone offense in the NFL right now. I think they score oh, yeah. a touchdown on like thirty percent of their red zone drives. Yeah, it was, dude. It was it was so bad, and like, I mean, I think even whoever was was a commentator on it was like. I don't even know how the Jets are losing this game. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, Troy, <laughs> hey, you tell us. Like, the <laughs> first – so, first three uh, drives were eight plays, 49 yards, nine plays, 40 yards, eight plays, 14 yards because they got it on basically the 25, and they came away with nine points. And I'm like, how, how the hell do y'all do that? Like – it was just like if you go look at the play by plays, it was like, you know, you get in here, penalty. And then the second drive, more penalties that backed them up. Another holding on a, a tight end that wasn't even involved in the play. And then you go to that third drive, more just random ass penalties. And I was just like, this is a joke. Yeah. This is a joke. Absolutely. Well, let's move on into our week 11 predictions. We've got the Minnesota Vikings versus the Denver Broncos for Sunday night football. This is a, a fun little scrappy Sunday night football game. Honestly, I understand like, you know, it isn't the best matchup you could get, but I don't feel like I see this matchup on paper very often. Um, but, you know, you got the Russell Wilson, his team's four and one, like I mentioned, you know, coming into this game and Joshua Dobbs over there in Minnesota, you know, winning two games in a row looking highly electric for the Vikings, you know, uh, the spread actually favors Denver minus two and a half going into this game, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, that may have changed after the Monday night football game, but this is a tough one for me. I, I really have had a hard time kind of debating on who I think is going to win this game, but I, I think that Josh Dobbs magic might end this game uh, just for maybe a week or so. Um, and I think Sean Payton will have something schemed uh, to counter Josh Dobbs. And uh, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a scrappy one. It's probably going to be I'm saying 23 to 23 to 21 uh, Broncos. So nice. uh, I think Russell Wilson has his typical game. But if he minimizes his turnovers, the very minimal mistakes can happen. Obviously. So um, yeah, Vikings don't really have a much of a run game so far. And um, I, it, I I do believe Jed is returning. I, I think he is, but I don't know if it's going to – it should help, but – I know he the, he's coming uh, off the his IR stint, and it opens yeah. up the 21-day whatever window of practice. So I think he can play if he's healthy enough. It'll just depend on what they want to do. And, I mean, I guess since they've actually been pretty well the past five weeks, uh, I think I read a stat that the 
first team to go zero and five, and then five and zero to start off the season um, wow. in the history of the NFL. And uh, I mean, they're they're in the hunt right now, so I don't see why I wouldn't want to push back to, you know, see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what were y'all's quick – who y'all think is going to win this game? And then we'll move on to the rest of the predictions. Uh, I have Vikings 23, uh, Broncos 17. I think the Dobbs magic Dobbs. continues. All right. The analyst? I'm going to say Broncos 17, Vikings 14. And uh, just to a quick Russell Wilson prediction, he's going to throw for like – he's going to go 26 of 33 – 225 yards and two touchdowns, and they'll win. <laughs> that's efficient that's ball. Yes. One completion over the middle. Yeah. Let's say over under on completions over the middle. Point one, touch, one touchdown that is thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. It will be a screenplay to like uh, Cortland Sutton, then he'll take 30 yards for a touchdown. There yeah. we go. Well, yeah. A little Amber alert. Sorry. That's all. Okay. In the pod and go, but yeah. uh, all right. The analysts Thursday night football. We got a good one: Bengals versus the Ravens. <clears throat> yeah, this is uh, the spreads minus three and a half to Baltimore. They're playing Baltimore's at home. Um, I only have two notes on this: Is Jamar ready to go, including T. Higgins? And who's more mad about their loss last week? You know, yeah. Jamar Chase. Uh, I think played through a back injury against the Texans. Is he going to be? Good with the short turn, the four-day window of Thursday, and then is T. Higgins going to come back? And then who's more mad about their loss last week, the Bengals or the Ravens? So I'm going to take the Ravens since they're at home, and I'm uncertain of if T. and uh, Jamar Chase are, like, fully healthy. So I'm going to go 24-21 Ravens. Gotcha. All right. And moving on to the next one, the medical guy, or actually, no, back to back, the analyst, uh, yeah. noon Steelers versus the Browns. The AFC, yeah, you, guys so, all, you got the AFC, uh, what are they called? Uh, the AFC North combos. Yeah. <laughs> so the Steelers versus the Browns. Uh, this is another meh game. It's um, an awful color yeah. game. Yeah, this is a all time <laughs> awful color game. It would be even better if both teams were well really yeah. bad uh, throwbacks. Yes. But uh, I'm going to say, let's see, I have the, the line is minus three and a half Cleveland. I think you could take take that. Uh, you could take the points for the for Cleveland. I don't think the Steelers are going to have a chance against the Browns. Has LeBron made his pick yet? I don't know, but LaParlay will probably <laughs> agree with me on the Browns. I think the Browns win this game pretty handily, and they uh, they handle you know whoever's playing quarterback for the Steelers. I think Kenny Pickett's back, so I'm going to say the Browns win this game like 27 to 14. I think if Deshaun Watson continues playing pretty well behind that stack defense, they'll win this game pretty handily. Um. Yeah. Uh. I got the got the Browns. Got to know. You know. I got to go with my. <laughs> got to go with my Browns. You know. But I just man, I'd make the switch, bro. And uh. Yeah. I got the Browns. The spread negative three and a half. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, I love watching LeBron's picks, bro. That's, that's, yeah. I just. Uh, I, I think it, this is like the perfect time to have just like the absolute greatest throwback uniform, like the whatever, like. 
Jim Brown days, Brown's uniform, and then whatever the those nasty Steelers throwback uniforms. Yeah, the Bumblebee ones. Oh yeah, that would just be great, dude. But and here uh, they come we, out the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh leading us into the next game, I got the 325 slot, the Seahawks versus the Rams. Um, they have the Seahawks at minus one. Uh, and so my prediction is gonna be 31-28 Seattle. Uh, obviously, this will all depend on how well Matt Stafford is and his thumb. Um, but they did have a bye week, so he should have gotten a lot of rest and been able to get back and and whatnot. I'm expecting it to be a pretty high-scoring game because that's kind of what these two teams are. They have a lot of weapons on offense on both sides. Defenses are kind of suspect. I know they have some big names on each defense, but they hadn't played necessarily well all year. Uh, so I'm expecting I'm expecting big things from the offense. Uh, I think the over/under was like like 50 something like 54 and a half or something crazy. So I was like, hmm, Vegas must know something. I'm going to go with it. So, uh, so I went with, um, Seattle 31 Rams 28. I need Puka Nakua to have a big game. Uh, sorry if my reaction while ago, while one of y'all were talking was a little weird. I'm watching the stars game on my phone <laughs> and, uh, one of the, they're playing the Arizona coyotes and one of the coyotes, uh, defenseman, took a 90-mile-hour puck off the front of his mouth. And literally, like most people grabbed their face, his initial reaction was to throw his gloves off and skate off the ice. And it literally looked like someone dumped a glass of just water, but it was just blood pouring out of his mouth. Like teeth were lying. Yeah, teeth were just laying on the ice. So I was like, oh, shit. Did you (laughs) see the uh, what happened to that one guy? Yeah, Adam Johnson. Oh yeah, did God, you see man. the the opposing players getting arrested uh, because they're for manslaughter because they're deeming that it was, I guess, a malicious hit. Yeah. And like, because when you watch the video, like, if you watch man, it enough times, looks like a karate like, kick. Damn. Like, yeah, and that player has had a history of doing shitty things like that, and so that's nuts. Yeah, I was. I had to watch that video over and over again. I was like, "Look at the amount of freaking yeah blood yeah. coming out." I was, it was awful. Yeah, uh, yeah. So RIP. But yeah, so all right. Moving on to the Monday Night Football game: uh, Eagles versus the Chiefs. This is the Super Bowl rematch. Um, Chiefs are negative two and a half favorites in this game. I think because this is a Super Bowl rematch that Taylor Swift is probably going to be at this game, which is why I have the Chiefs winning this game with the Swift effect. Uh, 20 to 17 Chiefs. Now, uh, both teams coming off a bye. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, just got done playing in the Eagles, just got done playing the Cowboys in a game that the Cowboys should have won. However, teams are, I believe, two and eight or nine to it they were they were oh and eight for a little while until the 49ers broke their winning uh their losing streak but uh yeah they don't do teams don't do so well after they play the dallas cowboys um so hopefully (laughs) that that applies in this scenario and the chiefs win a close one i understand that the super bowl is very high scoring usually what happens when a team plays each other the second time is it, it it's extremely low scoring when everybody thinks it goes high so i've got the chiefs 20 and the Eagles seventeen. Yeah, I had a I had a score for if Taylor Swift was there and if she wasn't there. If she is there, I have 28-21 Kansas City. 
she's not there. <laughs> I have 28-21 Philadelphia. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a smart <clears throat> prediction right there. I like yeah. that. All right. Well, let's get into the tracking the boys segment. You know, obviously we had um, the Cowboys versus the Giants in the 325 slot. Game of the week. You know, I guess <laughs> they thought that uh, the Giants would be superior, but Cowboys have had a combined, what is it, 80, 90-something points on the Giants, the, the two games that they played each other this year. But Cowboys win 49-17 to 17 in an easy one. And obviously, we're not going to have too much to say on this. Um, obviously, Ryan, you have the smoking, smoking That Pack video, which we put on our Instagram per usual. Yeah, um, we're used to smoking this Giants pack. Yeah, we've smoking this pack before. This is like a nostalgia pack. You're like, yeah. oh, I remember what this feels like. Yeah, oh, we shit, just constantly – we constantly smoke the Giants. So. Hey, we need to throw a pause in there somewhere, guys. Like, come on now. Hey, just at least one somewhere. My God. All right. No well, pause when it comes to the Giants. The medical guy, I'll let you have first run at this for the offense of what you kind of saw, what you liked. Um, obviously, there really isn't much bad. So, uh, well, I'll let you go first, and then Ryan, and then I'll, I'll go last. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to be too much explaining because it's been the same thing it has been the last few weeks now. Dak and CD, yeah, Dak and CD, they were they were insane, um, and it was I guess cool in this game to see Dak spread it around a little more. Uh, yes, CD was the main target, but you know everybody kind of got a touchdown here. Um, and then the cook show, uh, I've been, you know, I've been calling this for like four weeks now that Brandon Cooks is going to break out. Um, and finally it happened. So I thought that was good to see. Um, but really nothing, nothing bad to say about the offense. Yeah. Dax one pick kind of looked like shit, but uh, it could have been much worse. And he bounced back from it pretty quick and whatnot. So those were kind of my only two takes is Dak and CD were very good. How they've been the last few weeks. And then it was cool to see you know, insert Brandon Cooks, remove Michael Gallup, and you see Brandon Cooks, you know, can still spread the field by not just running straight, you know, routes down the field. And I also think it's cool to see, and you've seen in a couple of his touchdowns, is like Brandon Cooks does this weird high point of the ball, but he uses more of his body to high point it and not necessarily his arms and somewhat like shields the defender off from getting there. So it's yeah. not you yeah. know like Gallup or, or CeeDee Lamb that can, you know, catch it on top of someone's head, but like he almost like jumps and turns his body and almost makes a pocket rather than, you know, having to turn the other way and catch it. And I think it's really cool. And just another arsenal, you know, for him to use going forward with spreading, spreading it around, spreading it out around the field and whatnot. So. Those yeah, are kind of my two big points. I'm giving you your flowers too, because last podcast I asked you, you know, what are some ways that Brandon Cooks can get open for us? And we were talking about crossers, we were talking about, you know, man-to-man coverage and stuff like that. And we we saw that in full swing, you know, yeah. over the middle of the, that throw, and yeah. we'll get into it. That throw from Dak, you know, deep across the field on that crosser to Brandon Cooks. You know, a lot of it has been in man-to-man coverage, the seam as well. Uh, so yeah, shout out. Shout out to you on that one. You know, obviously, Brandon Cooks, you know, the archer finds his bow. Um, the analyst, what did you have on the offensively for this game? Yeah, just to build off of what um, Jacob was talking about, 
uh, with Brandon Cooks is like the reason he's able to do that, and that's because he's been that's the main reason he's been good for so long is he knows he's not going to hide punt the ball. So he creates that's, I think to me, that's a great showing of like a high end receiver is like he's using his advantage of speed. And since he doesn't have the height, he's like, okay, I'm going to use my body to make this play. And now all they have to do is, or all that the defensive back can do is wrap me up and get a PI or he's going to have to defend me after I catch the ball. So I think Jacob's absolutely right. You know, Brandon Cooks needs to be the compliment to Jake Ferguson and CeeDee Lamb. Um, but going back to my notes, I have CeeDee Lamb is just emerging as what we all thought he has, he should be and what he should have been coming out of college. When he got there and, you know, Amari and Michael Gallup was at his prime, um, he struggled a lot. He struggled with catching the ball. His attitude was on and off. Last year, even at the beginning of the year, he struggled um, coming into the, the season with some drops or, you know, some attitude problems. But, you know, CeeDee Lamb, when he gets 10 targets a game, he's just lights out. And then, you know, everybody's yeah. – what, what I've been reading about is everybody's <clears> – excuse me. Everybody's talking about how – I know, oh, we just played the Giants. Like, God, was haven't played a good team. Well, last week he did it to the Eagles, and so did Dak. And yep. so, you know, they're on fire right now. There's not another quarterback out there, maybe one or two that are playing at the level that Dak is right now. And, you know, he's playing extremely well. Yes, he threw an interception in this game. It was not a pretty interception. But, I mean, if you go look at his numbers the last four weeks, he's thrown like 18 touchdowns and like two interceptions. What more can you ask for there? I mean, he's on fire. His throws are on fire. He's the best quarterback in, in third down or on third down in this league. And to give even more flowers to him, it's without a running game. You know, the running game is still a big question mark. But, you know, I love to see that Brandon Cooks is finally getting involved. I think if we want to beat these teams that we're supposed to beat and the teams that are going to be hard games, like the bill, the gauntlet that we've been talking about in the next four weeks, yep. you got to get cooks involved because they're going to find a way to double, you know, it's kind of like on the interception, they played man down and double CD lamp. And so you're going to have teams that are going to start doing that because, you know, CD lamp gets 35 targets a game. So it's only, uh, it's only, it's only better for the Dallas Cowboys to get, um, Brandon Cook's involved, and then, you know, they're going to have to figure out something with Pollard because Pollard's just – I'm so glad they franchise tagged him because Pollard's just not there anymore for me. I mean, I've watched enough of him this year to be like, I don't really understand what he's doing. At first I thought it was the scheme, but the more you look into it, the more you watch how the offensive line blocks, there are holes for him to cut into or for him to move into, and he's just – like running straight in the back of our offensive lineman, kind of taking a Zeke approach where it's like run into the back of an offensive lineman and then get that second burst for three or four yards. And we've been talking about how Tony Pollard is not that kind of running back. Yeah. So yep. he's going to have to figure something out. I don't know if it's a, what the issue is anymore, but those are my you know points for the offensive game. They did exactly yep. what they wanted to. And then my last point is please get Shoemaker off the field. <laughs> um, I know we won 49 to 17, but that one drop um, 
pissed me off <laughs> so much. I mean, I, he literally, it was a perfect play action. All he had to do is turn around and catch in the flat. Dak hits him right in the, I mean, right in the numbers. And he drops the ball and he just like jogs. And I show a picture of his face and he just looks like wide eyed. And I'm like, Get this motherfucker off the field, bro. Like, what Wait, but doing? Ernie Ernie on Twitter says, give it time. Give yeah. it time. All, all I can, anytime he's on the field, all I, all I can think about is the, the left guard and right guard that's sitting at Buffalo right now just hating life yeah. and how we could have him and just not be in this predicament to, like, oh, God, we hope, we hope uh, you know, Tyron Smith sleeps on the right side of the bed. You know, this week, so he can yeah. play Sunday. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's all of my offensive notes. And then defense, I don't even feel like we need to talk about it. They, yeah, they freaking dominated and they should have. I mean, Tommy DeVito looked like a scared kid out there. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what you got? Yeah, to close out on offense, you were leading directly into what I wanted to get into about Tony Pollard. Um, the problem definitely isn't the offensive line, as we saw with Rico Dowdle, you know, absolutely exploding, you know, through the gaps and um, pause. And, you know, yeah. he, he, did a, he did a really good job. And every time you looked up, it seemed like he was getting 10 plus yards. He was very close to scoring on a lot of his carries. And then he finally got into the end zone. But I personally think that Rico Dowdle should get over 30 percent of the snaps going forward um, just to get that mixture of change of pace backs into yeah. our offense and it, it has nothing to do with you know Pollard there are very there's a very small number of three down backs in the NFL and those that are three down backs there isn't a whole lot of you know dramatic success you know outside of uh Christian McCaffrey you know I, I guess you could count you can't even count Derrick Henry as a three down back anymore uh Saquon is forcefully being a three down back yeah. You know, because of what they're going through in, in New York right now. Uh, but everyone else is kind of in that 60 40 split, uh, spread, and Dallas just seems to just want to ignore it. There were plenty of opportunities in this game to get Lepke involved at the goal line, and we just opted out. And plenty of opportunities to get Pollard in the end zone where, yeah. you know, we're getting four momentum, getting to the one, but we opt to do something else. And I'm not complaining at that. That's fine. But I, I think it'd be good for your running back's morale, you know, instead of play actioning it and throwing it to Jake Ferguson there on that on that goal line fade touchdown, which was great and awesome. And I don't dislike it. You know, you could have gotten in a rhythm and, you know, going gone after uh, getting Pollard in the middle and getting him a touchdown in the, in the red zone. But, you know, that leads into my next point with Jake Ferguson is he's three games in a row with a touchdown. Um, he looks fantastic. He's turning into baby Kittle. Just like we predicted in the preseason, I love every time. Every time he gets the football, I'm excited to watch. His run after yeah. the catch, um, you know, his route running, his his zone looks a whole lot more smoother. Like, yeah, I'm sure Dalton Schultz was very good at finding his zone, but it wasn't much other than that. Whereas yeah. Jake Ferguson's breaking routes over the middle of the field, and when you catch it, you're like, oh crap, you know. Here, yeah, comes he's just a lot more versatile. That's, yeah, here comes here comes jukes, jab steps, stiff arms, hurdles. You know, you don't know what's coming after you. Um, so yeah, those are my two highlight points. I let, I'm glad I let y'all guys talk about CD Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and uh, um, you know Tony Pollard and addressing those things. But I wanted to shout out those two guys, Dowdle and uh, Ferguson, and Tyron Smith is an animal. Um, whenever he's 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 back, whenever he's yeah. playing, he's insane. He is a clamp god. 
Yeah. Uh, so shout out it's to. It's just uh, like that. It's just like his holding penalty during the game. It's exactly what I told you all over text. Like that's the first. I don't even know if you can call it legitimate, but anytime Tyron Smith gets a hold, it's just that the fact that he's manhandling somebody and they yeah. kind of get away from him a little bit and he just like clamps his hands down and yeah. literally doesn't let them move. And then yeah. the, everybody's like, oh, I guess that's a hold. It's the like, only reason it was a hold. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like he has a switch in his brain. It's like, when his hands close, it's like they don't open until like yeah. oh whistle's blown. Okay, it's like he goes into like this zone. Return like, to huddle. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like oh okay, I'm back. It's like <laughs> yeah, he's like the Terminator. It's like when his yeah. arms open, grab a hold. Hear, like yeah, you hear his arms go. Yeah, when he opens up you see his arm move over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What's exactly. even makes it better is it's got you know the big, basically knee braces on his arms, so it makes him look like they are knee thing. braces. Yeah, yeah exactly. Knee. Well, the only so, reason it was a hold on him in that play is because you know when Dak Prescott flushed the pocket, it just kind of like, oh shit, he's going this way, let go, and it was like hold, and I'm like, all right, well, yeah, you know yeah. that's the only reason why he had him clamped otherwise. Um, yeah. Anytime, anytime, I'm telling you, if you if you watch the games. From now on, just pay attention. If Tyron Smith gets a hold, they'll show the replay. And almost every time, it's like, mm, I don't know if that was a hold. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a sympathy hold. All right. Dak on track, one of our favorite segments of the podcast uh, for the Dak cycle. Um, we've got um, his next-gen stats passing chart here. I'll bring it up. Um, in just seconds down here. here we go. There it is. All right. There we are. 26 of 35, 404 yards, four touchdowns and an interception with a plus 14.0 CPOE percentile and a rushing touchdown to add to that. We've got the absolute heave 40 yards <laughs> down the field to the right side, 40 plus yards. Um, and then, of course, dots all over the field. This is the third or fourth week in a row that we've seen just green dots everywhere. Middle of the field throws. You see a lot of cross. There's the crossing route from Brandon Cooks, you know, just beneath 40 yards there on the left side. That was a magnificent monster of a throw, you know, taking an absolute shot to the upper body um, from the defensive tackle there as he was throwing it. You know, that that's just what we like to see. Um and, you know, I, I actually, thank God, so I got back from an awning trip, um, and I did not see the interception. I, I quickly ran to go take a shower because I smelled like, oh, shit. And I was I came back, and oh, it was a terrible drive. You threw an interception, so I didn't see it. Um, and thank God the clip's not anywhere because everybody's hush-hush about Dak Prescott throwing interceptions this year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what I want to give Dak on a grade for this is – a plus, you know, whatever letter you can find in the Greek al alphabet uh, in translations, um, lost history, extraterrestrial beings out there that have a different alphabet um, for a, a high superiority grade. Um, that's what I'm giving him for this game. And it's about time the Dak Cycle gave a very high ass grade for Dak Prescott and his performance. He's, what is it, 14 touchdowns, two picks in the last four games. Um, so, yeah, just for all those reasons. 
you know, hitting the ball over the middle of the field, those long deep shot touchdown passes, you know, minimizing the turnovers, green dots everywhere. Infinity, A plus, A plus for Dak Prescott. And the analyst? I've got nothing to follow up here with other than an A plus. I mean, I said it earlier and I will say it again. He is playing top tier um, right now. He's cooking on a different level than he ever has been. He's, you know, the only time I can think that he was playing at this level was in 2021, right before he hurt his calf strain. But he's just playing at a level that is unmatched right now in the NFL. And, you know, like I said earlier, everybody's like, oh, bad teams. And it's like, yeah, the Giants are bad. And he had a good game against the Giants. But last week he played the Eagles and was literally inches away from beating them. So he's playing top-level quarterback play right now, and he's got better stats than your daddy's favorite quarterback. So he's, he's, he's balling out, and this is what he needs to do in order for us to win games. And I hope this stretch that he's on right now continues to grow and that he continues to play at a high level, especially when we start getting into these, uh, these tougher games. So, I mean, these next three games, he should – rip up everything he plays but you know we need him to be humming on all cylinders come this that four game stretch later in december so yep yep yeah uh just on the same page as all of y'all uh gave him an a a plus as well uh like you like you said this is an incredible stretch he's on and you know i think it it makes it better that uh, i don't say makes it better but makes it more profound that he doesn't have a running game. You know, back when I guess he was in 2021, you know, he still had a little bit of a running game and whatnot. But right now it's like the running game is unexistent or non-existent. Um, and then on the pick, I mean, they just did a really good job in coverage, to be honest. I mean, they they flashed like they were doing man, and then he broke <clears> off. And like Brian was talking about, what people are going to start doing is they're going to start flashing like they're going to be a man and then breaking off into like a more of a zone coverage or more of a shadow over CD lamb. I mean, just, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was a good disguise more than anything. Um, and so, so, I mean, it was just, you know, good disguise, bad throw and whatnot, but I think, you know, just to follow up with y'all, with what y'all said, I mean, it's gotta be an A and he's making he made two bad throws this game. It was a pick and then he threw he threw one that almost could have been a pick as well. And if we look in the last four ish weeks, that's how all his games have been is he's hasn't had more than one to two bad throws a game. So yeah. uh hopefully he keeps it up and keeps it going and you know, we see more of this deck Prescott. And not to be a stat watcher, but since twenty eighteen there are only two quarterbacks in the National Football League that have uh, more than 10 games with 400 plus yards passing, and that is Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes. So, very interesting stat. And I believe that Dak Prescott threw for, for over 400 yards. I don't remember the specific stat line, but I think it was more than all the franchise quarterbacks from Dallas Cowboys combined, which was nine. Yeah. Um, which I believe most of those games were probably Tony Romo, which yeah. is insane. So, but uh, uh, to add on to your stat, Mahomes has 10, Prescott has 10. All of your other favorite quarterbacks combined together have only five. That's right. The next closest. That's right. Well, yeah, but like, like Jacob said, with the beginning of the season, don't get mama's only Cowboys, 
get caught stat watching. So, and, and we yeah. definitely, we just want a Cowboys W more than anything. Speaking of six and three Dallas Cowboys face the one and eight Carolina Panthers at AT&T stadium, 325 on Fox this upcoming Sunday. And we've got our predictions geared up for you guys. The medical guy, I'll give you the first go at it on your prediction. <laughs> this should this be game. short and sweet right here. Short and sweet, baby. Come on. Yeah. Come so down, essentially, down. essentially my keys to success uh, are going to be the same as last week. Um, and my prediction is going to be a 35 to – I'll go 35-10 again. 35-10 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, same things. Don't get too cute. I still would love to see them – throw to Cooks more often and get him and keep him involved, uh, get Pollard going and Dowdle going and figure out just a good – just figure out a good balance of how, like, hey, let's see if – like, and that's what I think the Cowboys have done in the last few games. It's like, hey, let's see if this works and let's run with it. Like, hey, yeah. we're doing well on first down passing the ball a lot. Shit, let's keep doing it. And I think, you know – it would be good to see like them try some different things out with the running back situation just to get some type of momentum in that part of the game. Um, but those are basically my keys to success and predictions. Uh, and my mamas don't let your Cowboys, same as last week, mamas <laughs> don't let your Cowboys get hurt in this game. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the analyst. That's about right. I, I, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, I think the defense will eat up Bryce Young. No pause, and I think that uh, hey, our, yo, they're gonna be our, munching on Bryce Young. What are you doing? I think, <laughs> and I think our offense will score forty plus points again. So uh, my prediction for this game, I said sixty-five-seven for the Giants game. I honestly thought at one point that was gonna happen, but yeah. um, at this and for this game, um, I think the Cowboys will win like thirty-five, thirteen, or something a couple sympathy uh drives at the end for the panthers but i mean my mom is still like your cowboys was the exact same as jacob just and this little stretch that we have let's win some games let's stay healthy let's find a healthy mix and just get ready for when we play the eagles at home you know yeah. not to look ahead we got to play each game you know every something crazy can happen in the nfl but let's let's just when these three games come out healthy and then focus our, our attention on the Eagles. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've got the Cowboys winning this game 31 to 16. Um, uh, my key success for this game is that, you know, the offense protects the football. You know, we get a little bit of the ground game working between Pollard and Dowdle. Um, and then defensively, you know, to get pressure to the quarterback, you know, get that young rookie, you know, rattled up and, and see how that goes from there. But I've got 31 to 16 um, Dallas in this game. And my mama's so much Cowboys is mama's so much Cowboys play down to the competition. Uh, Panthers are on strike about their team right now. Uh, like literal, a literal NFL protest about how bad their team is. Um, so don't let this be the, be the game to get their hopes up, which we've seen before with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so yeah, that wraps up tracking with the tracking the boys segment, and now we'll move on into the two minute drill, uh, hosted by the medical guy and the analyst. You know, providing the medical analysis from the medical guy and statistical analysis from the analyst. So, nice. anal med. Right. Let's get anal into. med team. <laughs> anal med. All right, let's get this going. The two minute drill, like we've been doing. I'm going to go through this list, and then we're going to go into one specific injury and talk about it a little bit. 
Um, this this list is actually a little longer than what I thought it was going to be. I didn't really think or hear of too many crazy injuries or anything. Um, but we'll start it off with Taylor Heineke, XFL stud. Uh, came out of the game with a hamstring injury this past weekend. Now Ryan's favorite quarterback, Desmond Ritter, has to be the quarterback <laughs> for the Atlanta Falcons again. Um, T. Higgins, uh, he was out this week, and I think it was a soft tissue injury as well. Uh, just keep an eye on him, especially he played, you know, one game coming off those broken ribs and then, you know, got injured in the next game. Uh, next is Trey Hendrickson. He did have a little uh, knee hyperextension during that game uh, this past Sunday, and he's listed as questionable. They're still waiting on imaging and stuff like that to see what's all going on. Um, then we have what I kind of called uh, when it happened was Kevontae Turpin, uh, shoulder injury, most, most likely probably some type of AC joint sprain or something like that. Uh, but, you know, just the laws of inertia and, and things like that. Uh, little guy playing against a lot of people bigger than him, sooner or later you're going to get popped. Um, and normally it doesn't work out for the little guy. And next we got Nico Collins. I never really could find what exactly he was hurt with, but uh, he was rolled out last game. Uh, they're they're projected to have him back in this week. Uh, Damian Pierce, same thing. Uh, didn't really come out with too much information on his injury, but he's projected to be back. Uh, Keenan Allen, uh, he's listed as questionable for his shoulder. I don't know if all of y'all saw the infamous picture of him after a game uh, with his uh, clavicle sticking basically straight up out of his shirt. Uh, that's due to uh, probably a previous injury that he's had earlier in his career. And he just never had surgery on it to tack it back down. You can play with it, however. Uh, and it's really just due to your pain tolerance. If you're if you're okay with it, you can play. Uh, next, Gerald Everett. Uh, he's listed with a back injury. Uh, questionable. Uh, A&M star, Davon A-Chain. He's coming off the IR this week. Uh, eligible for his 21-day schedule or whatever for, with practices. I doubt they play him this week, but you never know. Uh, if so, it'll probably be some type of load management. Uh, pause. <clears throat> and then uh, <laughs> we have Alexander Madison. He'll be out this week with a concussion. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore uh, over on defense for the Saints, I believe. Uh, high ankle sprain. He'll be questionable. Uh, you know, Mr. Injured Guy, Michael Thomas, he had a knee injury. Apparently, it was worse than what they expected. He's having imaging done. He'll be questionable, most likely out. Next on the Saints, they had a slew of them. Derek Carr had the shoulder injury, uh, which we all talked about, you know, a few weeks ago if he really should have hurried back from that. Uh, and he suffered a concussion in the same game. So get ready to see more of some famous Jameis Winston um, and watch your crab legs. And next we have <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Uh, he's got a he's got a thumb injury. I don't think it's anything too serious, but we've seen like we've talked about with previous pods and quarterbacks that thumb on that on that you know throwing hand can really affect it a lot um and then last and the one i'm going to go into and and share my screen with it's going to be a uh, Leighton van der esch just because you know he's dallas cowboy we've kind of seen him uh you know play for the last few years and uh kind of see him bitten with the injury bug and whatnot but i'm going to just show a picture not not the video of the of the injury and whatnot but i'm going to share my screen right now this is just kind of a, a overall general picture of uh, 
you know, the vertebrae and the spine. This, however, is more lower than what he's got going on. What they've deemed him with is called cervical uh, spinal stenosis. So, you know, just breaking down the word cervical that deals with your, cer uh, your uh, cervical vertebrae, which is from basically if you could feel kind of on your neck where you have like that little like palpable bone hump kind of on your back. And if you go up to basically the base of your skull, that's where your C1 through 7, uh, you know, that's where your C1 through 7 kind of remain. Um, and so, you know, obviously spine, we know what that is. But stenosis, the, that word means basically the it's it's uh, getting smaller. So basically the vertebrae or the spacing around your spinal cord and your your vertebrae as well that spacing is getting smaller and the amount of space you need between there to function correctly is now being you know uh is being messed with and so that's why he's had these history of neck injuries and so you know there's many different treatments and like we've talked about before he's kind of into that point where it's like we need to start looking at quality of life rather than playing football we need to be able to see like hey can he you know do these things like you saw on his instagram go hunting and be able to turn his head to the right or the left and look out a window he's able to you know play with his kids when he has kids and stuff and so this is a really serious injury obviously spine injuries are really serious however once you start getting up into the cervical spine C1 and C2, it starts to get, you know, life or death type stuff because those are what's called uh, it basically, you know, your your axis and whatnot. Basically, your skull sits on your C1 and then your C2 is right under it. And it gets really serious when it gets up into there because then it becomes more of, you know, looking out for quality of life, but also hoping for, you know, you don't have to do surgery that may cause paralysis or surgery that fuses something together. And then all of a sudden you can't turn or do anything like that. And so kind of my take on it is that be ready for a report to come out to say that his career is going to be over. Um, this is one of those that, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, one wrong hit and you could end up in a wheelchair, one wrong hit and you're on a stretcher and you're not able to give a thumbs up. And so it sucks. Uh, it sucks for him, sucks for his family and stuff like that. However, it's it's to do what's best in his interest for quality of life. Obviously, this is a game. And once it crosses over that, we really got to start looking into the safer measures for, you know, what he does later on in life. And I think I read a report that he's actually been in the game long enough that he'll actually receive that full pension from the nfl which will be awesome for him yeah. uh, i know a lot of that thing a lot of that stuff kind of gets swept under the rug but we see with all these different types of football players how your body can react after years of all that trauma whether you do have a bad injury or not um just a violent sport overall and so tough tough you know day for him tough season for him and hopefully it all turns out well and you know we just want to you know pray for his you know well-being and his health and whatnot but that was kind of one that you know we've seen him get drafted have a great season get hit by the injury bug we've seen his play diminish from this injury um we saw the year he came back and we were like man he's just a step slow or he's not making that read quick enough and it's all stemmed from when he had him in college too 
And so just to see it, it felt, I don't want to say personal, it felt, felt more personal because we saw him from a rookie all the way until now. So, you know, yeah. just wanted to shed light on that and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, and to move off of more of a grim point, we have, I don't know how I'm going to follow this up. We have the infamous DB list. Okay. And I do have an honorable mention. Okay. Sorry, uh-huh. my Aggie fans. Uh, yeah. But feeling. honorable mention, I have to go with the AM, the AM fans for the DB list and the booster club. Uh, <laughs> you, you put a lot of money, you put a lot of money into having a coach that, uh, yeah, that it came from a place where, he won a lot, recruited well, everything worked out for him. Y'all got him, and then you got a white Kevin Sumlin. And um, <laughs> it just wasn't it just wasn't great. So I feel I feel for y'all, but that's but, my, yeah. my honorable yeah. mention. Yeah. But <laughs> the actual DB list, and I don't know if y'all saw this because I just saw it right like literally right before the pod. We started the pod. Okay, the DB list is gonna be the Raiders and their media slash communications team. Okay? Oh god. Yeah, this is nuts to me. So they put out a a post about honoring uh, military, and they had someone on their team. His name is Isaac Rochelle. His brother is for Air Force, also plays football or played football there. Um, And they were putting out this big, cool video about honoring military, making it relatable to athletics, kind of showing all the stuff they did. And they released this video at 1 o'clock Central Time. Approximately two to three hours later, they released Isaac Rochelle uh, from the Raiders. Oh, wow. uh, He then quote tweeted that video and said, hey, this couldn't be more bad timing. And I was like, yo, that is brutal. You got to just be like, hey, we'll keep him up. We'll keep him on a team for another week. We'll do something. But it literally is like, and I was like trying to get all the times, you know, right and see if I was right and whatnot. And it was like six hours prior they put up that video and it has like him, his brother, pictures of his parents, like, you know, the whole shebang that, you know, the NFL does and whatnot. And then two, three hours after that, it was like he put out a post like, hey, I've been released from the Raiders. And I was like, dude, that's a tough look like that's (laughs) so bad. Like someone's got to be like, hey, uh, (laughs) we're cutting this guy today. Maybe right. we don't put out this video honoring his brother who's in the Air Force, man. Maybe so, we just release a, a like a good old-fashioned Pat Tillman video. Yeah. And, and just call it a day. Yeah, honor, I, honor a soldier and then you've got on. you've got over a hundred people either playing or on staff. Like I'm sure another one of them has a brother or uncle <laughs> or a parent that, that was in the military. Somebody. Like anything besides, like, hey, we're gonna put this guy out there, and then we're gonna <laughs> kick his ass off the team. Like that's so right. bad. So that's my DB list: the Raiders and just their overall line of communication. <laughs> that's brutal, Ryan. Yeah, I'll pass it over to Ryan for the statistical. All righty, week ten, we've got um, the your best uh, analytics spread stats of the week. So we're going to go ahead and start off with uh, Noah Sloppy Seconds Brown. He had seven (laughs) receptions, 172 yards. Back-to-back game did 150-plus for the Texans. Uh, He is wide receiver one of the the entire league, clearly. 
So clearly, next you have his throwing partner, CJ Stroud Boy, 356 yards, one touchdown, and one interception with back to back game winning drives. This guy can ball easily, probably the rookie of the year. And then next, I've got the Dak Knight Rises. He's 404 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Nobody wants to talk about it, but he should be at least considered for MVP as of right now. He is putting up better numbers than your favorite quarterback, and y'all won't say shit because he's got a star <laughs> on the side of his helmet. Next, we've got Brock Cornman Purdy on oh, his man. off on his bye week. I don't know if y'all saw, but he was bailing corn and cutting up some corn, making sure he was getting ready for the harvest. Doesn't he but, drive you know, a high day? I don't know. Don't care. Yeah, that was that's that's but um, he was awoken now that he has all of his boys. He's got Trent Williams out there and everybody else. He had 296, three touchdowns, and the Niners are back on track. And then Keenan, old man Allen. That guy was balling out once again in the Kellamore Big 12 shootout offense. Um, 11 receptions, 175, and two touchdowns. Big game for them. So then you got Gino, don't write back. He had 370 yards and two touchdowns and balled out and let a game-winning drive. I still think he's very average. Yep. You know, nothing crazy there. And then you've got the Acha. Uh, Brandon Cook showed up big time for the Cowboys finally. Uh, nine receptions, 173 yards, and one touchdown. Big-time game from Brandon Cooks. Let's hope he keeps cooking. And then next you've got TJ Vahala Hawkinson. 11 Both receptions, 134, touch, 134 yards and one touchdown. He looks like a Viking. He plays for the Vikings and he scored and played like one with or played like a Viking with his bald-headed ass quarterback, Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Whoa, yes. And now for my man. favorite part. I literally called this stat line almost <laughs> the exact T. But I'm going to show you the Russell Wilson passing chart. Oh, God. And it's, and it's just as brutal as I've been saying. Exactly. Shield your eyes, children. It's that bad. So I think in the last podcast I was on, I said that he would throw for like 23 of 26, 183 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And in this game, well, he was 24 for 29, oh 193 yards, and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Bro, look and at the right side. And a touchdown behind the line of scrimmage. Let's go. Yeah, that's oh right. My. Look so, at the right side of the field. Look at the middle. It's always the same. You got one incompletion in the middle of the field. Everything else is either right behind the line of scrimmage or five yards in front of it. He's got I mean, four completions a, behind five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. No, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six behind the line of scrimmage. Or no, but I'm talking behind five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He's got four. Oh, yeah. So, so like yeah. Starting at negative five yards. Yeah. yeah. yeah Grabbing the ball classic. shotgun and just chuck I'm it into the right. This is a classic Russell Wilson pass chart. This is what I've been saying for years is that he's just – been so shielded by the defenses he's had and the fact that he just like cooks for four weeks and then this is the passing charts he puts out in his uh, in his career. So congrats to Russell Wilson on the win. 
but you're not hiding from me. I will expose you at all points and turns. You are not who you think you are, and you can stand in the middle of the field with your arms out and embrace God, but God knows. The God only knows. thing I can think of was Russ Wilson. The, like, the most cringiest TikTok he did is where the ones it was like things I like, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, of, I'm like, brother, you've got to stop, man. Yeah, like, yeah. He's got to make the fucking shit phone. out of you. Yeah, he's like 34, dude. Like, he, he, you got yeah. two kids, and one of them's not even yours. So let's let's act like a good father figure for two seconds. <laughs> Super future. Super future. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that is my uh, stats of the week. Um, pretty a lot of boring games out there this week, I must add. But you know, these are some highlights. And Russell Wilson tried to hide from us, and he couldn't go very far. So, <laughs> gotcha. Very nice. The two minute drill presented to you, presented to you by the medical guy and the an- analyst. Uh, here we go. I've got some uh, a little little change up here. A little. Let's see if this works. Let me know if y'all can hear this. Y'all hear that? Yeah. yeah. We got a little background music. Let's bring it. Let's bring it. Re- let's make it real for a moment here. Everybody, <laughs> settle down. All right. Got a little background music for you guys on this week ten. The Rooks looks week ten recap. Uh, Stoggage. Amari Cooper. Cleveland Waters. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a jazz radio channel. It's like welcome oh, to ninety five seven. Ninety five tunes. I feel like I'm listening to a Lonely Island song. There we go. Amari Cooper, Cleveland wide receiver. I told everybody to start him 15.88 PPR points, six receptions, 98 yards. Productive when Watson plays historically. So uh, I also told people to start Rashad White, Tampa Bay running back, 17.80 PPR points, 20 carries, 51 yards, two receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. So two back-to-back green beans on the starts. I told everybody to sit Dalton Schultz, Houston tight end. He ended up with 11.10 PPR points. He had four receptions for 71 yards. He had that one catch for 25 late in the game, which kind of made his night. Otherwise, it would have been a under 10-point performance, but not bad from Dalton Schultz there. But I did tell people to stash him and start him if you didn't weren't able to stash him. So, But sit Jacoby Myers, Las Vegas wide receiver. Uh, 4.10 PPR points, two receptions, 21 yards with Aiden O'Connell at the helm. Uh, it's back-to-back games with Jac- Jacoby Myers just kind of come back down to earth. Uh, the sleeper of the week from week 10 was Jahan Dotson, Washington wide receivers, wide receiver. Zero points, two <laughs> targets. Um, I don't know what the hell went on there. It, apparently, actually, I know what happened. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson got every single, uh, apparently all the catches of this game. Um, and I played against Brian Robinson right after I traded him, so that's great. Um, moving on to our Week 11 Stardom Sidems. Although I was, what is that, three out of four, if you want to count the sleeper. Sleeper's kind of a gray area, but three out of four. So that's three three or four weeks in a row I've finally gotten a rhythm, so let's see if I can continue that in Week 11. Start the Miami running backs, A-Chain and Mostert versus the Las Vegas defense. This is kind of contradicting uh because of his claims of a chain uh they kept him on the ir an extra week for the bye week and i'm assuming he is back in full swing this year this week uh nonetheless i think off the bye no matter what both these guys are pretty good flex or start plays uh for your lineup 
start Joshua Dobbs, Minnesota quarterback, versus the Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football with the return of Jetta to his lineup. I think Josh Dobbs could provide a lot of magic. However, I don't think the magic coordinates into a win. Um, as I predicted, the Broncos, you know, get this victory. But maybe a good fantasy day. Uh, sit Pittsburgh running backs. They just announced Jalen Warren as a starting running back for the Steelers. Najee and Warren, the combo, they've had two good games in a row. Enough to, to make you think you should start them when they're going against the Cleveland defense this week. So don't torture yourself by starting them and going, man, they had two good weeks in a row, and now all of a sudden they suck again. Well, it's called blue balls. So don't start the Pittsburgh running backs. Um, and then finally, the last two, Adam Thielen, Carolina wide receiver versus Dallas at home in AT&T Stadium. On paper, this is a blowout. Um, I, I, there's there's turmoil in Carolina over the head coach play calling and offense. I just he's had two bad games in a row. I, I just don't think he's gonna produce well against Stephon Gilmore and Darren Deron Bland. But you know, been wrong before. Uh, and then your sleeper of the week is Calvin Ridley, the Jacksonville wide receiver versus Tennessee. This is following a blowout uh, where the Jacksonville Jaguars lost to the uh, 49ers 34-3. Perhaps he shows up to make Jacksonville look like a contender. Um, However, Kirk will continue to produce week-to-week versus, you know, man-to-man coverage. But Tennessee has weak defenders. This would be a good game. A a good, like, get back into the rhythm um, game for Calvin Ridley for your sleeper of the week. And now let's bring it down uh, to the heave (laughs) of the week. Please. Um that yeah. was your rooks starting yeah. and sit him on 95-7. Yeah, hold on. This is... Ladies, grab your oh. that was the rook 95 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Yeah. There exactly. you go. Look at it to you hot and sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to our heave of the week. This is our Dak Prescott to Michael Gallup uh throw here. And this is on a different website, so pro- I, I apologize if there's an ad. But uh, here we go. Let's uh, let's go pre-drop back. How about that? Yeah, play by play. Play by play. Play by play. All right, everybody can see it. We'll make sure the volume's all the way down, so the heave can be intact. All right, here we go. Twenty-eight to seven ball game here. Just under five minutes to go left to play. The Dallas Cowboys lead by a couple of touchdowns. One second left on the play clock here. The screen has still not faded away from its menu. It finally goes away and heave. Michael Gallup <laughs> finds his rhythm number 13, the lucky 13, and celebrates with the wide receiver five, Jalen Tolbert, who's supposed to be starting over Michael Gallup. But Michael Gallup makes the catch anyway. Fantastic throw. Let's watch it again here on the replay. Dak Prescott collects his feet and gallops, if you will, towards the boundary of the sideline. On the backup scrub wide receiver or cornerback for the Giants there, and there is Schottenheimer on the post-game press conference. But that is your heave of the week, Dak Prescott to Michael Gallup on the 41-yard touchdown. When we all thought Gallup was washed, he comes back with half a field of a touchdown. So congratulations. Yeah, to I, sent it, I sent it in the group, but uh, about him being next-gen stats, fastest time or fastest running speed this week. So if that's uh yeah that's uh, 
Very odd. Everybody, everybody must have been jogging around this week or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let's get into our kind of a new little little deal for this week. Now that we're past the halfway part uh, point in the season, we have the NFC AFC divisional winning predictions by the medical guy. Excuse me, and the analyst. Um, so the medical guy, you have the AFC. Um, so I'll let you go first on who you think will win each division. All right. So going with our divisional winner predictions. So out of the AFC North, uh, I've got the Ravens. I think they're the most one of the most complete teams in football right now. I think uh, if Lamar Jackson and that offense can learn how to just close out games, I think they'll be just fine. I don't think even though they lost to the Browns, I don't think the Browns eventually have the firepower to keep up with them. Uh, and then the Steelers are one of the teams where I don't know how the hell you are six and three or whatever. Um, and so yeah. I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I just don't get that, but uh, I, I got, I got the Ravens coming out of that division AFC South. This one might be uh, a hot take, but I have the Texans coming out of that division uh, winning that division. Uh, Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, I think they're playing really well right now, uh, and it seems like they've got a, a, a lot of good pieces down there, a lot of complimentary pieces. Uh, and I think they're coached by what seems to be a very good coach. I would honestly, at this point right now, just say it's a shoe-in for Coach of the Year yeah. um, because it's it's just a, a just a polarizing opposite of what it was last year. Um, all the games that they play seem fun. They, you know – yeah, offense or defense, like I don't mind watching the Texans. Uh, last year, I couldn't get them off the screen fast enough. Um, and for me, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, they, they to me, are one of the most hot and cold teams out there. Yes, I know they're 6-3, and three, but it looks like they've got to play perfect to win, and they can win well. And if they don't play perfect, they don't look very good at all. Like, they don't look like that team that can not have their best day and win. It seems like when they win, it's always been like everything is clicking. You know, Calvin Ridley's getting a lot of touches. Uh, Christian Kirk is doing well. Travis DTNA is having one of these crazy-ass fantasy football stat lines. And then it's like when they're not when they're not cooking, it's like, bro, what are they doing? Right. Like, yeah. they, just, they just don't look that great. Now, granted, they did play the 49ers, which we've seen can kind of be a buzzsaw and whatnot, but I just haven't – I mean, they look bad against, you know, the Texans. They didn't look very – I mean, the Texans beat them earlier. Um, they look bad against San Francisco. Yes, they beat the Steelers. They didn't look great there. They barely beat the Saints, and I'm not discrediting, discrediting anything, but, I mean – They've now got to go, so they play the Tennessee Titans next, which I don't think they're a very good team, but shown that they can mess around. But after that, they play the Texans, the Bengals, the Browns, the Ravens, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and then uh, the Titans again, which is a very late game in the year now that I'm looking at it. But they've got a set of four or five games that could be really tough for them. And so I'm just – I think that, and like we talked about, the Texans don't have a very good schedule coming up. They could roll off, you know, five or six wins and get to 10 wins this season and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah. Out of the AFC East, I have the Dolphins. Uh, and just because I think they're going to be similar like the Cowboys last year and the year before to where they're going to beat the bad teams and then sneak a couple of, like, okay teams out. And it shows that they're not very good against good teams. But I just think the Bills are are not great right now. Um, and I don't see them making a push. And then AFC West, I got the Chiefs. I think it's pretty hard to stray from that. Yeah. Um, I think that one's kind of a lock. And I think anybody trying to make a hot take right there is just an idiot. Um, so <laughs> I've got AFC North, the Ravens. AFC South, the Texans, AFC East, the Dolphins, AFC West, the Chiefs. I don't think three of those four, I think, are pretty predictable. Uh, the Texans are my only hot take. There you go. I like it. All right, let's move on to the NFC. All right, so I've got uh, NFC North, South, East, and West. We're going to start in the NFC North, and I feel like this one's probably the biggest lock out of my other divisions, but it's the Lions. If you look at who the Lions play in the second half of the season, they don't play almost anybody. And I'm about to read this to you. So they have the Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears, the Broncos, the Vikings. Then they finally play the Cowboys right before New Year's and then the Vikings again. So that is probably one of the easiest schedules going into the last part of the season. I mean, if you look at who they're playing, they're playing nobody. They play the Bears twice. They play the Packers, who they absolutely routed in, like, week four. And I think the only hard game on the schedule is the Cowboys and maybe the Broncos, the way they're playing. But, I mean, I think the Cowboys beat them. Um, but I only see one potential loss on – and, I mean, the NFL is the NFL. You know, you got to play a game every week. But I don't see the Lions losing and a lot of games out of that. So this team is electric offensively. And should have a good enough defense to compete with everyone they play for the rest of the year, and I expect them to lock up their division pretty easily. But I do not think that this defense is good enough to stop good teams. I think this defense can get gashed. Um, they will make the playoffs, but I think eventually they'll run into somebody, hopefully Dallas in the playoffs, um, that will outscore them or just make their offense stall. So I've mentioned to Jared a couple times – this is the team that when Dallas makes the playoffs, this is the team that I would want to play. I feel like we are their kryptonite. We have every number we can against them. Um, so, yeah, my lock for them as of now is the NFC North, the Lions. Now the NFC South, this one was a lot harder. This is the shit division of the NFC. Um, I picked the Saints. Um, I just want to throw up picking that. Um, we've talked about them enough on this podcast. Yeah. I just can't stand to watch how they play. It's very, it's very hard to watch. But um, it's a bear. Like I've said it a thousand times, it's embarrassing to have all of that and to be that bad. Yeah. But it was even more embarrassing is this division. So um, I think they make the playoffs, and then. Um, if Dallas ends up getting the first seed, this is who they will play, and Dallas will smoke them. This will be like a, they a warm, yeah. This will be like a warm up game for Dallas and like the wild card. But yeah, I mean, whoever comes out of this division is going to be a first round exit. None of them can keep up with a good team. So, and then we're going to come down to the NFC East, and yeah. I have I have the Eagles winning this division. Um, 
tough choice, but I just believe they are able to win uh, big games that Dallas has not been able to prove that they can win yet. Granted, Dallas has only played two um, tough opponents so far. And in both of those games, um, the Niners game, we try and live and forget. But um, the Eagles barely etched out a win against Dallas. Um, But they're 8-1. They've got a really tough next four games that will be the true test for them. They've really played nobody as well. Um, So I think it will be close, but Dallas will fall short, I think, at the end. Um, It wouldn't be the case if they did beat the Eagles. I think that if if Dallas beat the Eagles, my pick here would be Dallas. But I just feel like – that's that and the Cardinals game are going to be the two games that Dallas is going to look back on and go, damn, we should have won those games. Yep. So it will be close, but I think the Eagles will edge it out by one or two games. Yeah. The uh, the Eagles have the chiefs and then six days later, they play the bills and then they play 49ers, the Cowboys and the Seahawks. That's their next five games. That is yeah, that's, that's a, a tough uh, selection right there. Watch them go 4 0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nuts. You know, nobody's talking about it, but if you go look at who they've played this year, the, the Eagles have only played the Dolphins and the Cowboys. And, the, you know, they played the Patriots, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Commanders, the Rams. They lost to the Jets. And then they play the Dolphins, Commanders, and the Cowboys. And, like, the Dolphins and the Cowboys, they handle the Dolphins pretty easily. But, you know, I've been saying Dolphins are candy ass. And then the Cowboys should have beat them. It was just a game of inches. So, you know, yeah. that will be the true test to tell you if the, if the Eagles, like I've been saying, are not the same team or are they going to continue their reign of, of being the best. So, all right, next we've got the NFC West. Um, this one's a pretty easy pick for me. I feel like the Niners are going to handily or hand they'll they'll handle this division pretty easily. Right now, the Seahawks are right before right behind them um, in terms of scheduling. I think they're six and th- I think don't um, I think they're, they're both six, six and, three. and three. Yeah, and uh, yeah. the Seahawks actually have a negative point differential. Yeah, I'm looking at it right point. now. The Niners are six and three. The Seahawks are six and three. Um, the Niners have a plus one hundred nine differential, and the Seahawks have a minus one. So the Seahawks are like your your new Minnesota Vikings yeah. of last year. Exactly. Um, I think it's a pretty easy pick here. I believe the Seahawks are frauds. I think they are just good enough to beat teams, the bad teams, but not good enough to beat the great teams. I think the Niners get on a roll. They just got off the bye, got everybody healthy, and they get back into form to wrap up their season. Um, you know, out of these teams and who we think are going to be winning these divisions, you know, I think about um, the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. I think Dallas will make the playoffs. But um, if you want to rank these teams and teams I don't want to see, Number one would be the Niners. So I've been saying it forever. <laughs> they're they a kryptonite. You know, I don't think I've told Jared this off off air, but they're they're just yeah. they're the team that I don't think Dallas can beat. Um, I think they just have the formula that Dallas can't figure out, and then they have us figured out to a T. Um, the next team that I would not want to see, or that you know, every other everybody else, I feel comfortable playing. I feel comfortable playing the Eagles. Um, but the number one team I want to play 
is the Lions. I just feel like the Lions, yeah. like I said earlier, we we are like the the Lions to us, I feel like are what the Niners are to the Cowboys. The yeah. Lions to us, we just have the perfect script to beat them. I think that there's no shot that I mean we'll see in December. But I just feel like if we played the Lions, we would roundhouse the Lions. So I don't know why. I've watched them play and I watch what Dallas plays, and I just really like that matchup. So I but agree. just to recap, NFC North, I got the Lions, NFC South, I got the Saints, NFC East, you got the Eagles, and the NFC West, the Niners. Very nice. That is your NFC AFC divisional predictions for this season. Um, we'll see how they play out and we'll revisit it later in the year. Uh, then we got the rookies, the rookie MVPs by the Rook. Um, and we'll go in, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. And these are ranked from gold being three, diamond two, platinum one being the highest. Um, and I'll do offense and I'll move on to defense. So to start out at gold for your rookie MVPs is Jameer Gibbs, Detroit running back. He's finally getting that snap count, you know, back in tack. And, you know, I know the return of David Montgomery uh, still did stunt his performance. Jameer Gibbs, you can still see, has an incredible bounce. Um, so he's in my gold category there. Uh, the honorable mention in this category was Bijan Robinson. I just don't like the way that they're utilizing him over there and, if you look at it, Jameer Gibbs has been very much more explosive than Jameer, uh, than Bijan Robinson has. My diamond ranking for the offense is Jordan Addison, Minnesota wide receiver. The alternative to this would have been Puka Nakua. However, Jordan Addison has basically put um, the team on his back at the receiver position over there for Minnesota since Justin Jefferson has been gone. I believe he has seven. Uh, touchdown receptions on the year, six or seven, which is very good for a rookie. Um, he's been playing lights out. And he's had all these uh, – the, the, the quarterback switch with Dobbs and, you know, Jaron Hall for half a quarter. And, you know, he's <laughs> up there in my diamond ranking. And then, of course, the platinum offensive rookie MVP is C.J. Stroud boy, um, Strouder with Crowder, the Houston quarterback. Um you know, he's he's just everything you want a quarterback to be, and he's been super exciting to watch. Um, so shout out to CJ Stroud. His poise, um, the fact he doesn't turn over the football, he complements his defense well. He shares the football around to each of his featured we uh, weapons. He doesn't have much of a run game, even though he was assisted by it a lot in the Bengals game. But before then, it was 13 carries for 30 yards for, from Damian Pierce. So, I mean, you can't say he has an effective run game. Um, his offensive line is not that great. So CJ Stroud, platinum rookie MVP. Then move over to the defensive side, which was this was a little more. This was much more difficult to kind of uh, select. So I apologize if I'm a little off, but this is what I could find based on PFF rankings, based on the eye test, you know. But uh, the gold ranking for the defensive rookie MVP uh, is Devon Weatherspoon. Uh, Devon Weatherspoon, the Seattle Seahawks cornerback. He's one of the highest rated PFF cornerbacks in the league as a rookie this year. Um, and he's playing great ball over there uh, opposite side of Tariq Woolen. The diamond ranking for the defense is Christian Gonzalez, another cornerback um, who plays for the New England Patriots. However, he is on IR with the torn labrum. Before he was hurt, he was a incredible cornerback. He played exceptional um, and that should not go, go unnoticed. 
Um, and then my platinum defensive rookie MVP is Will Anderson Jr., Houston edge rusher. Um, look, he doesn't have a lot of help on that um, Houston front. You know, it's really just him and a Cowboys washover, which apparently is the entire Houston Texans team pretty much, or 30% of it, Malik Collins, you know, over there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Will Anderson Jr., is he's not getting sacks, but he has the most pressures as a rookie so far this year. Um, he had eight in the previous game versus the uh, the Bengals, and he's he's balling out over there. He's going to be a stud, you know, like we always say with Michael Parsons and pl- other players like that. It's not just about sacks. Um, it's about pressures. It's about tackles for loss. It's about run defense. It's the full thing. You're not just required to sack the quarterback over there. There are other, other responsibilities. So, Will Anderson Jr., you are my platinum defensive rookie MVP. Um, but, yeah, that kind of wraps up um nice. primary the most of the episode excuse me we've got our last quit in time um track records of the week um i honestly was struggling to find one until i remembered that i shot a nice looking <laughs> buck this this past weekend and um uh, it was a great it was a great hunt. It's a great time with uh, the analyst was there along with uh, old Papa May. Um, my dad had a great time up there, um, even though it was raining. But got myself a nice little five, 15 inch and a quarter uh, spread, eight or nine point, and it was a deer that was on the camera that we were looking for. And that's my fifth deer that I've shot, um, fourth on the record. And <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm just there we go. Uh, yeah. So anyway. It was a fun hunt, and I'm proud of the shot, and I can't wait to go down to South Texas and see if I can bag me another one with my compound bow and distribute the wealth of the, the deer meat to some maybe some coworkers and stuff like that. So uh, the fridge will be full in, uh, in, in the Rook's apartment. So Yeah, I actually, um, I actually heard from a source that was, that was actually Ryan's deer. Yeah, uh, that is, that, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, he, he reserved it. I think I'm getting a getting a call. Yeah, that was a Woj bomb that it was actually uh, <laughs> Ryan's a Grant's bomb. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Aubrey Heimer. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, I'll go on and start my record of the week. Um, really, it's not necessarily a record or a number, but kind of lost in translation. And I've shouted out before, but not necessarily the whole thing, but uh we're gonna go with the dallas stars it's hockey season yeah. they're about i think 12 games in right now and they lead their division uh and you know they've made a couple of good signings this off season uh one of the guys they signed matt duchene um from the predators this past season uh he was actually he's like a normally like a 2025 20, goal scorer Coming from kind of a bad team and whatnot, uh, but the the Dallas Stars and I know these numbers are skewed compared to other sports, but they signed him on a one year, three million dollar prove it deal, and he has now gone four games in a row with a goal and multiple points. So that's looking like a big time go. deal. Um, and they actually won against Coyotes tonight. That's kind of what I was watching my phone. That guy uh, got his face dented in by a hockey puck. So. Uh, Love my, the stars, bro. <laughs> my record of the week is the Dallas Stars. Let's get it. And to close us out, the analyst. 
Yeah, mine's pretty interesting. Um, Jacob's going to like this one. Well, My uh, record of the week is the San Houston State Bearcats. Um, <laughs> they are 2-8 and eight on the season. But we I knew are, you shouldn't have drank, bro. I was like, he's about to laugh. Yeah, we got our first conference win, or Conference USA win, uh, against Louisiana Tech, 42-27. to 27. We got two games left on the season. But, you know, things are looking pretty down for the Bearcats. And, you know, honestly, I really couldn't care less because I just – I don't know. I I can't stand the head coach. And he won't be the fan until Keeler's gone. Yeah, yeah. he's just – they – they got all hyped up and stuff this year and watching them a couple of times, they've blown so many games. And yeah. 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 Hey, Ryan, I have a good comparison for Keeler. Uh, Ron Rivera. The Ron, <laughs> yeah. the Ron Rivera of the Conference USA. Yeah, he's just – Caught up in the politics of football. I'll, so I'll save my – yeah, I'll save my thoughts. But, yeah, my record of the week is that Sam Houston is uh, – Two and eight on the year for having a really strong year, and you know, I <laughs> yeah, the the best two and eight team in the country, man. Uh, yeah, you don't want to see us. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to play them. Really, I, I've watched probably like five or six of their games because you know you just put shit on the TV to watch, and it's like, oh, Sam Houston's playing, and uh, yeah, there's probably three or four games that could have easily been won by Sam Houston. Yeah. Um, one of them that my wife went to, I was I got home from whatever I was doing, and I like turn on the TV and look at it. It's like twenty four to thirteen in the third quarter, and I'm like, they'll blow this game. And I like walk away, and like you know, my wife texts me like, oh my god, they just let the quarterback get a fourth and eighteen. Oh my god, they just let him kick a field goal. We're going into overtime. Oh my god, they just blew it. Um, yeah, they just gave the ball back to him. Oh my god. They have a chance to score. They try and score four times, and we lost. And I was like, I knew we were going to do that. So they've done that in, like, two or three games where they've been up, like, two or three scores and then end up losing. So Yeah, exactly. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, that was your track records of the week. And that wraps up track 22, The Archer Finds His Bow. Well, if you look on the bottom on the little ticker there, we've got all of our social media uh links and stuff on there we got the instagram at track.pod uh we've got x or formerly known as twitter at the track pod tiktok at track.pod or track.unscripted whichever one you want to look and again on all of our social media accounts we've got the link tree in our bio so if you want to go on there you can find us anywhere on spotify apple podcast and youtube um so shatter the script with us every wednesday we'll be back maybe with a new format huh huh oh we don't know, but always looking to improve. And the clips of the podcast will be returning this week. I We have been going with some memes and stuff like that. We're going to continue doing that, but it's time to bring back the clips. We got to get the clips of the medical guy doing the injury analysis, the Russell Wilson charts. It, we're, we're, we're back. This, Christmas came early. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, so. Cheddar's right. full of. <laughs> Shout out to True Brand for all the caps and the hey the the hat you had over there the the, the west, west to east west to east uh, hunting brand uh, YouTube channel go check it out there we go all right go bag yourself a deer gentlemen.
the rut is upon us. Chase women. I mean, chase deer, not women. Uh, and let's get it. Shout out of the script every week. Go Cowboys. Go Stars. <laughs>